Thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast, the leading word in pharmacy. Please find all of our shows at www.pharmacypodcast.com. Hi, this is Vent Gay, CEO of Gayco Healthcare in Dublin, Georgia, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Hey there, pharmacy community. This is Todd Urey with the Pharmacy Podcast, and today we are with a independent long-term care pharmacy owner who has been uh, doing some uh, incredible things in the field of long-term care pharmacy for uh, for some time now. I know Bent from my previous life. Um, uh, Bent Gay is the CEO of Gayco Healthcare. It's a long-term care pharmacy down in Georgia, um, more uh, specifically Dublin, Georgia. How are you doing today, Bent? Doing great this morning, Todd. Very good. So you and I um, know each other from our previous, well, my previous life. It was with you or with Gayco Health, and that's back when I was in long-term care pharmacy technology. And uh, then um, you were kind of growing your business and um, in, in doing some things that uh, obviously the, the big, uh, huge um, uh, national long-term care pharmacy providers uh, aren't able to do based on care levels and and the use of technology and building efficiencies and and being much more customer oriented as we all know uh, privately owned uh, pharmacies are in general and um, you have recently and there's congratulations in order you've recently um, opened up an enormous new uh, facility um, down in Georgia can you tell our owners a little bit tell our listeners a little bit about Gayco Health and also about yourself I, thanks, Todd. Gayco Healthcare, I started in 1993, July 1st, 1993. We started off with uh, four facilities, about 300 beds, and our motto was to care for our residents and to care for our facilities, to always make sure we put uh, our best foot forward at all times, and it's paid dividends. This past year, August of 2011, we moved into a new 13,500-square-foot facility that uh, we consider state-of-the-art. Um, you know how that goes. It may be a little obsolete here shortly, but uh, it's state of <laughs> right now uh, with uh, plenty of room for all the technicians, pharmacists to move around, plenty of room for automation to be added on as needed or as we deem needed, um, a brand-new IV room. So we've been very, very fortunate through uh, hard work and determination. So I understand that um, you're caring for, um, obviously, long-term care pharmacy um, needs, uh, and that's the needs of seniors that are in long-term care facilities, also skilled nursing facilities, assisted living facilities. You're doing correctional institution uh, help. You're, you're providing medical records. You're coordinating with consultants to go into the facilities and the uh, areas to care for these patients. So the world of long-term care pharmacy, obviously different than retail pharmacy, um, also give our listeners a little bit of background in your um, in you becoming a pharmacist as well as how you got into long-term care. Well, whenever I went off to college, I thought I would be a dentist, and I decided I did not want to spend my the rest of my life working in a closed environment in such a tight environment. So. I decided to, uh, I didn't know quite frankly what I was going to do, and a friend of mine told me, why don't you apply to pharmacy school? Um, Todd, I'll have to be the first one to say that my dream was not to be a pharmacist, but I knew that I wanted to be in healthcare. So I went and applied for pharmacy school, 
when I got out and started working in the independent. I moved back to Dublin, worked with uh, two separate independents, um, loved it, loved the interaction with the customer, loved helping the customer, loved the hands-on. But uh, what I, I saw, found was missing was that uh, business aspect, running the business for myself, having to do the day-to-day. And that's what made me want to go out and find my own uh, pharmacy. Thought I was going to open up my own independent. And then a friend of mine who actually had a segment of his business that was long-term care was about to shut it down because the business had shrunk through the years. And I talked him into selling it to me, and that's when we got our start at that time. But um, like I said, the main reason I wanted to go into pharmacy was to be in the healthcare field, but the side that uh, I'm most passionate about also is the business side, the figuring out how to make things work for the resident, for the uh, end user. That's uh, interesting that you're speaking about the business of pharmacy and the business side of pharmacy. The Pharmacy Podcast is all about exactly that, the actual business of pharmacy. And uh, we also, of course, uh, have programs that are specific to um, different facets of the business of pharmacy, and that being retail pharmacy and long-term care and specialty. And then we want to reach out, of course, to the patient as well, and we'll be actually expanding that section. However, long-term care pharmacy kind of became a business leader in the profession of pharmacy just based on the overhead needs as well as the documentation needs as well as uh, some of the relationships that had been created as it grew between the pharmacy itself and then, of course, the actual facility or the entity that you're servicing. And what, um, what what's interesting is you know as well as I do better than I do, um, long-term care pharmacy didn't, didn't just start like other industries and or businesses started, it kind of evolved. You know, you had your community pharmacy in place. Community pharmacy happened to be near enough to a nursing home to start servicing it. And the next thing you know, that nursing home grows. It goes from uh, 60 beds to 120 lives to 350 lives. To all of a sudden, they went over state lines. And now this community pharmacy transformed into being just a community pharmacy provider into continuing to grow with that nursing home. And uh, sure enough, now all of a sudden, a whole new entity of long-term care pharmacy started. So how did uh, how did uh, um, Gayco Health come to be? Well, like I said, back in 1993, I knew I wanted to do something for myself. And I approached a friend of mine, Max Brown, with Max Brown Pharmacy, and he had done a great job. He had gotten started probably in <clears throat> the late 70s, early 80s, through a friend of his that it was a director of nursing in a local nursing facility, and they started sitting and talking about what that facility needed. And the, 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 one of the biggest things, as you mentioned, was the medical record side. Um, they, at that time, were either typing out or writing out themselves their uh, MARs. Um, through working with Max Brown, they were able to come up with a form through his computer system that he could then print them each month for them, which saved them a whole lot of time. As we know, it evolved and added on through the years. But that was that was the biggest way that uh, Gayco Healthcare originally, which was called MBP Institutional Pharmacy, got started. Um, and Max had done a great job. It's just that in 1993, the 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 whole area, the industry, was changing. 
and you needed to be more hands-on. And um, Max had a partner, and he had actually decided that he wanted to just do the consulting side, so it allowed me to get into the long-term care side. Well, the um, key word that I heard you say was um, things that are constantly changing, and um, you know the the programs that that we have here um, at Pharmacy Podcast, a lot of them uh, taper and and are are suited for the retail world of pharmacy. And I see tremendous amounts of changes very fast taking place. And long term care pharmacy is absolutely no different. So. Um, in the retail side of things, the uh, challenges for a privately owned pharmacy um, at this point in time, which has been really an issue for probably more so the last three or four years than, than anything, has been the world of the national PBMs uh, really making it hard for privately owned pharmacies to stay in business based on um, tactics of, of reimbursement, um, how they're reimbursing uh, the pharmacy, how reimbursements are becoming less and less, as well as uh, some of these PBMs opening up their own mail order pharmacies and then calling it back to their insurance, uh, they're insured that the that these programs are mandatory. So, what are the challenges of a long-term care pharmacy owner, and what is challenges to the long-term care pharmacy industry, especially the privately owned long-term care pharmacies? And I understand there's about 22,000 independently owned retail organizations. There's probably another. 1,200 uh, long-term care privately owned um, entities in the United States. So what do, you, what do you think the biggest challenges are for uh, the long-term care pharmacy owner? The biggest challenges, Todd, I think right now are trying to figure out how to improve our bottom lines. But when most people think of improving bottom lines, we think, what, charge more. Well, uh, unfortunately, we lost control of our pricing many years ago, which was a mistake, um, but we lost control of our pricing through the government programs, you know, via Medicaid, and then uh, eventually the PBMs got involved, as you mentioned, and we have we have almost no control. Yes, we can say we do not want to work with a cert, certain PBM, or we will not accept that, but if X number of lives in our um, area use that PBM, it's, it makes it rather tough on us, and um, and sometimes you do end up signing up for things that are lower than you should sign up for. We're starting to fight that fight, you know, a little bit more. But the biggest thing that I see that we can affect is looking at the bottom line on our end. How can we um, keep to continue to serve our customer, but to look at our bottom line by using automation, by using technology. Um, skinning up our margins on our on our end, whether it be the um, payrolls. Um, not that does not mean that you have less service, but you use technology and automation to improve those areas. And to I, I don't believe in getting rid of um, my workers, the the human element in there, because the rationale comes from human, but technology that you give it one task to do, it does that one task very, very well. Um, barcode technology right now, it, it is amazing what it can do for you as far as um, it either reads the barcode or it does not read the barcode. It does not read the barcode incorrectly. Um, so that, that's just amazing. And, and, and building on that with some of the packaging styles that, that may be out there that use barcode, that use the um, the 
camera systems that I can't even fathom nowadays that are taking, you know, 15, 14 different angles of the meds and comparing it in a split second or even less than a split second to make sure that that's the right product. Um, all these things I feel like, Todd, are where the future goes with long-term care to make sure that we are uh, improving our bottom lines but not, not never cutting services. Never, uh, we never want to make sure we do that. Well, this sounds like a uh, vent that um, there's some uh, tremendous similarities between privately owned closed door uh, institutional pharmacies and the world of privately owned uh, retail pharmacies. Um, these owners know that they need to change things in their businesses. They need to tighten up on how they're, uh, how they're spending, uh, what they're spending. They need to prove that there's return on investments uh, in the world of uh, of, of in investing in technology, automation, um, uh, getting more out of their employee workforce uh, via processes, via changing workflow, and um, just um, having a, a, a wonderful uh, career in long-term care pharmacy. I got to witness uh, much of this uh, in traveling throughout the country and seeing long-term care uh, pharmacy operations. Um, and um, I can imagine what 13,500 uh, square feet of long-term care pharmacy down in uh, Georgia might look like. So definitely going to have to plan to come down there sometime. That'd be fabulous. Come on down. You can you can tell me what we need to do better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I understand also that the world of, um, of how things are going to be provided to your facilities may also be changing. Can you uh, just give our listeners um, a little overview of what uh, cycle filling really means and how it may change and it may actually uh, affect and impact how a long-term care, privately owned long-term care pharmacy does business, and that is in the world of uh, what they call seven-day cycle. Todd, the, um, previously, let's go through uh, most pharmacies you would find would send a month supply. We'll call it a month supply. It may, it may be anywhere from a 28 to a 31-day supply that was sent, and generally uh, a large percent of that was on punch cards. Um, with the mandate that's coming for 2013 that says that we must cycle fill for Part D programs, um, all branded products that are oral solid dosage forms, then uh, that is changing that completely. It was heading a little bit in this direction anyway with trying to figure out workflow, but now the government has mandated, or I say the government has mandated, it, it has been put in place. It's sometimes a little um, little hard to follow exactly who mandated it and, and required it, but it is a part of the Part D program now, and they're requiring us to send a 14-day or less cycle fill. Um, what that means is that every 14 days, we will send out that supply. No more. Um, you can send less, but no more than a 14-day supply. And what you have most of the pharmacies out there doing is setting up right now around that to try to figure out how they're going to help solve this for their customers um, and for their end product that is the resident. Because we have two customers. We have the facility and we have the resident, and we're called to help both of them. But one of the things that, for example, that we're doing is we moved earlier this year, actually uh, towards the end of last year, towards a 28-day cycle field. The reason we did 28 days is we knew that it was going to be uh, a multiple of seven 
more than likely that would be involved in the cycle fill. Um, and that gives us the ability to also cycle fill Part A meds on a seven day. And now we're going to go with the branded products on a 14 days. And that way, every day of the week, the home knows when this, these orders will be sent out. They're familiar with it. It, it gets them on a, more, a little more of a schedule than they've ever been on. Whereas before, we were on a reorder on demand. There was no cycle fill. When I say reorder on demand, the home would just pull a sticker and send it to you, and you would send it out. Um, and this is completely changing the workflows inside our pharmacies, and I'm sure every long-term care pharmacy around the country. That um, that's uh, just another challenge that I understand that um, long-term care pharmacy owners needed to understand and and plan for and tackle and tighten up, as you had mentioned, uh, Ben, the use of technology, um, better processes, um, being able to uh, navigate and 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 be flexible. And sure enough, now that flexibility uh, comes back to your patients and to the nursing uh, team to understanding exactly why a privately owned uh, long-term care pharmacy is providing uh, a much higher level of, of service and flexibility than uh, maybe some uh, national provider. So I'm definitely in your corner. Hey, I wanted to uh, mention uh, before we wrap up and uh, also wanted to thank you, Bent, for being on the Pharmacy Podcast Show. This is going to be uh, placed under the long-term care pharmacy section. Um, that we are pulling for you and voting and, and hoping that uh, that um, you will become the long-term care pharmacist of the year for uh, which you've been nominated for, which is the 2012 Next Generation Pharmacist Award, uh, which is provided by Pharmacy Times and, and Parada. Um, we uh, we like working with Parada. That's one of um, our um, our major uh, providers of information on um, technology automation, uh, not, not only in long-term care pharmacy, but also in the world of retail pharmacy. So uh, we wish you uh, best of luck with that. Thank you. Thank you. So we were talking with Bent Gay. Uh, Bent is a uh, owner of a long-term care pharmacy. Um, the name of that pharmacy is Gayco Health Care. And if you'd like to learn more about uh, Bent and what he's doing in, in the great state of Georgia, uh, being a pharmacy uh, provider, pharmacy service provider, long-term care provider, uh, rock star owner of long-term care pharmacy, uh, go to gaycohealthcare.com. That's G-A-Y-C-O healthcare.com and read about Bent and his team and, and how well that they're doing. And Bent, we wish you the best of luck and we, uh, we obviously are expecting to hear good things in the next, uh, in the next coming years. Thank you, Todd. I appreciate you um, giving me this opportunity. Very good. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Uh, you can find all of our shows at pharmacypodcast.com. Um, and if you wanted to submit a show, go to the contact section. Uh, if we do choose the show that you submit, we, do, we will send you a $25 uh, iTunes gift card. And we uh, thank you so much, uh, Pharmacy Industry, for making the show as successful as it's been and uh, for listening. Thank you.